the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That's Dr. Albert Moeller. He's been called one of America's most influential evangelicals and the reigning intellectual of the evangelical movement. Dr. Moeller is the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He writes a popular blog and a regular commentary at albertmoeller.com and hosts two podcasts. One is called The Briefing, and the second is called Thinking in Public. Dr. Muller is the author of a bunch of books, including We Cannot Be Silent and The Prayer That Turned the World Upside Down. Dr. Muller, I'm so glad you're here. I am really glad to be with you. Thank you. Now, Dr. Muller, um, I've read your blog for years. Uh, you've been a guest on our show several times. And so, uh, you know, I want to talk about the Apostles' Creed, the book. I also want to talk about what it has to say about our current cultural climate because I really despair for the way that conversation has been halted in America, especially when we have two sides who disagree or even two people who aren't able to just, you know, acknowledge that there's a difference in conversation. So let's start with the creed. Um, you write that your church history professor required you to memorize the Apostles' Creed. And so had you, is it something you grew up saying? Were you familiar with it before? No, I, I was familiar with it. But I didn't really know it, and it wasn't a part of worship in uh, in the churches I grew up in. I, I uh, grew up in very traditional Baptist churches, and uh, th- there really wasn't much attention uh, to a creed or confession of faith. All that began to change, by the way, when uh, when my own denomination faced a grave theological crisis. And when it faced that crisis, and thankfully, uh, when it affirmed biblical orthodoxy, it had to have words with which to do it. And uh, it discovered the need for a creed and confession pretty quickly. So isn't that funny? We think that oftentimes creeds and confessions are ancient things that we've kind of modernized out of, right? Until we reach a point where we think, oh my, we need to come up with what we actually believe and we don't know. Well, absolutely. You know, the creeds were not only boundary statements that uh, sought to establish what the true Christian faith is, they were also teaching uh, tools. This is how the faith was taught. And uh, and so in the churches that have used the Apostles' Creed, and there's some other uh, ancient creeds that also have a great deal of authority, uh, when you, uh, you recite the creed or you include it in worship, you are actually teaching people the great doctrines of the Christian faith, even how to say them, mm-hmm. even what it means to say, for example, that Jesus Christ right now sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. The uh, The creeds, of course, are not ultimately authoritative. Scripture is. Scripture alone is. But we have to have a way of summarizing Scripture, and uh, at their very best, these confessions teach Scripture. Mm-hmm. 
Now, when you had to memorize that, were you an undergrad? I was uh, my, in my first my first week, actually, as a graduate student. Okay. So you, you were familiar with it, but you didn't grow up reciting it. But you say that it was the most important class assignment you ever had. So did it grab you right away? As soon as you took those couple hours and memorized it, did, it, did you say, oh, this is, this is so pivotal? Or did it take you, you know, years to kind of ruminate on it and arrive at that? Well, I would say yes, both of those things, okay. Kathy, because I, uh, I, I, my first thought in, uh, in really memorizing the Apostles' Creed was the sheer majesty of knowing that Christians have used these very words to confess the Christian faith for multiple centuries, well over 1,500 years. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just pretty stunning. As I was 20 years old, and uh, to know that I was saying words exactly the way the martyrs said them, exactly the way the reformers said them, uh, exactly the way that uh, that true Christians have uh, have confessed the faith. That was just incredibly moving. Uh, but then over the years, I've grown in, into an even far deeper uh, respect as a theologian for why these words, in the exact way they're written, in the order they are written, can make all the difference between orthodoxy and heresy, real mm. Christianity and the counterfeit. So talk about how it was arrived at. When was it written, and who decided? Well, you know, it's so old, we can't answer those questions as well as we would like. The, uh, the, the where did it come from and who wrote it, it was based upon the early Church trying to summarize what the Apostles had taught. And, you know, Jesus uh, instructed us that we are to continue, that is to say, the New Testament instructs us, uh, to continue in the Apostles' doctrine. And so the early Church, trying to summarize the Apostles' doctrine, uh, formulated this uh, this creed we know as the Apostles' Creed. And this doesn't mean we're not, we're claiming that the Apostles wrote it, but this is what the early Church kind of took down as the notes of uh, the essential teachings that came from uh, the Apostles whom Christ commissioned. And, and it appears in the form we can basically recognize it by the year 390. And uh, since then, it has been in a pretty unbroken succession of affirmation throughout the Christian Church. You know, it's interesting if you look at the great division between, for instance, the Church in the East and the West in the 11th century in 1054, uh, both the Orthodox Churches of the East and the, uh, the Catholic Church of the West continued to affirm the Apostles' Creed. After the Reformation, when uh, Martin Luther and John Calvin and others uh, you know, divided from the Roman Catholic Church. Both the Roman Catholic Church and the churches established by the Reformation continued to affirm uh, the Apostles' Creed and to use it in worship. That really says something. Mm-hmm. So now you mentioned just now, use it in worship. Um, so oftentimes we look at the creeds and we say that's something that we would use, use for personal devotion, or it would be a way that we keep on top of our own doctrine. But what about the value of using it in worship, uh, you know, it being a communal statement where we all read it together? That's really been a very important part of, of the Christian faith and Christian worship, confessing the faith. We had a phenomenal graduation service, uh, commencement for the, the seminary. Uh, we filled the seminary lawn, about 2,500 people in a spectacular day. And a lot of those people were not believers, and so in the course of the ceremony, I completely present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I'm not doing it for the graduates. They're getting ready to be sent out as ministers and missionaries. I'm doing it because of some of their family members who are there who don't know Christ. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we recited the Apostles' Creed 
uh, in the service together. And the reason I did that is because I want the people who are there who may not know a clue about what Christians believe to at least hear that succinct summary of Christian truth. I want to tell you one other anecdote. One of my dear friends, who is now pastor and just a wonderful evangelical pastor, he was taken by his parents when he was a kid to a very liberal church, but they continued to use the creed in the, in the worship. Like so many liberal churches, they continue to sing good hymns, and this church had the creed. And as a 16-year-old boy, sitting in a liberal church where he didn't hear the gospel, he began to listen to the creed every Sunday. And so he thought it through phrase by phrase. Mm -hmm. And as a 16-year-old boy, he decided, this is what Christianity is, and I believe I'm a Christian. Uh, That's how that creed has functioned in worship. It unifies and it teaches. Yeah. In uh, the church I attend, um, Dr. Moeller, each month when we share in communion together, uh, before we partake of the meal, our pastor stands up before us and says, people of God, what do you believe? And we recite the Apostles' Creed. And whenever we do it, I think, I wonder if the apostles, the people who wrote that, I wonder if they would be shocked to know that people are saying that with, with, a, with a full-throated understanding, with commitment, with courage in the face of who knows what over so many centuries. I mean, I, it's just amazing to think of the historical sweep of the church and how those words have endured. Absolutely, and I think of the same question, but I would answer by saying, yes, I think the apostles would have confidence that there would be found true Christians who would confess the true faith. I think they would have confidence in what Christ said in Matthew chapter 16, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And uh, when you look at how they already had to battle heresy, even uh, within the record of, uh, of the New Testament, look at Paul having to deal with it in his letters, I don't think they'd be surprised by the uh, the attacks of, of heresy, uh, but I think they would have confidence in Christ preserving his church. But what, don't you think they'd be surprised that we were saying those exact words? Uh, maybe, but you know, it's really interesting that w- when you do have uh, instructions in the New Testament to continue in the Apostles' Doctrine, you, you actually have Paul saying to Timothy, continue the pattern of sound words. Mm-hmm. And so it appears that the apostles handed down, for instance, Paul to Timothy, a pattern of sound words. And uh, I I want to uh, hold to that very same pattern, as I know you do as well. I'm talking to Dr. Albert Moeller. His new book is called The Apostles' Creed, Discovering Authentic Christianity in an Age of Counterfeits. Okay, so talk about why now. Why a book on the Apostles' Creed? I've known many people, I know them now, who say, what do we need the creeds for? We have the Bible. That's all we need. Well, in the Bible, we must affirm is our ultimate authority. Uh, the, the, the challenge is, and so let me just speak as a seminary president. How do I know whom to hire? Hmm. Uh, I want to hire only those who are absolutely orthodox and faithful in doctrine. So you might say, I could just hand them a Bible and say, would you sign this? But the problem is that heretics will sign it under those circumstances, because they're able then to flesh out the doctrines uh, according to their own, uh, their own inclinations. That's why the Church has always, in one way or another, had to have creeds and confessions in which it says, no, this is true Christianity, that's, that's mm-hmm. not right. For instance, one of the earliest challenges to the Church was that uh, you had people teaching that Jesus is almost just like the Father in his deity. Well, that's not the Christ of Scripture. That's why the Church had to come back and say, no, Christ is true God, as well as 
true humanity. Uh, and, uh, and and you, you sometimes hear fully God, truly God is the most emphatic uh, you know, expression. He's not of a similar substance as the, as the Father. He is of the same substance. The difference between that is actually whether or not you have Christianity. Dr. Muller, talk about these graduates. You said you had a wonderful graduation uh, ceremony, and you said the Apostles' Creed together. And I wonder how you're looking at the the current state of the Church. I mean, you have such a huge responsibility to be training um, people to be in combat, you know, to to be— to be working with the day-to-day problems that people face. Um, And, of course, there's the unbelievable suffering that people go through, and there's the confusion of trying to figure out what Christianity looks like in contemporary America. I mean, they're hard times. You know, I'm so interested that you took that the direction you did, because I I was going to tell you that in that commencement ceremony, when we recited the Apostles' Creed for the graduates, it was like a charge. These were fighting. Mm, yeah. Uh, the, the, this is the uh, this is the message they're taking out into the world. Uh, the, this this is true Christianity. They're unashamed of it. Uh, they, they're ready to teach it and preach it and take it. And so it, it, it was really a manifesto, fighting words, saying that we're going to go. If we go down, we're going down for this. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think that's what the church needs right now. You're exactly right. We're living in very confused and confusing times which is why the subtitle of my book is Discovering Authentic Christianity in an Age of Counterfeits. Uh, You've got to be able to detect the counterfeits, mm-hmm. and we've got to be willing to give our lives for the real thing. That's Do- why I wrote the book on the Apostles' Creed, because it, it, it really helps to do that right now. Dr. Albert Moeller, The Apostles' Creed, Discovering Authentic Christianity in an Age of Counterfeits. Uh, let's just start at the beginning. Uh, we don't have time to go through each element of the creed, but the the words we believe are so uh, fraught with that idea of of courage, of boldness, of certainty, of humility— you know, we're not believing in ourselves. We're not believing in the idea of belief, but but our belief is centered on a person. Uh, so talk about that start to the creed. You know, it's really interesting that we call it a creed because of the Latin word credo, that is the very beginning of the Apostles' Creed, I believe. And so it's credo. Uh, thus they call it a creed, and we know it by that word. It's an astounding verb, I believe. You know, it's right in the center of the gospel. I I just remind people, this is where Jesus described the essence of the gospel to Nicodemus in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in him. And, uh, you know, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved is the imperative. There is no Christianity without beliefs. And as the apostles make clear, there are certain definite beliefs that are essential to Christianity. We better know what those are. Yeah. Talk about your own, um, the work that you have, Dr. Muller. I mean, you're a public figure. You have to write regularly. You have to speak regularly. People want to know what you think about issues. They want to know how you feel about whether it's a theological doctrine or it's something going on in society. And as I said earlier in our conversation, I've read you for years, and I really admire how bold you've been, consistent you've been on issues. I I so much admire that you've 
made an apology when you felt it was important to do. Um, but I want to know how you think about your role. I, I mean, it is so um, challenging to think our way through the things happening today, and you're having to talk about it and comment on it on a daily basis. Well, these are complicated times. Your question's very kind. It's a, it's a heavy responsibility. I'm, I'm sitting here in my study, and uh, I've, I've got oil paintings of, uh, of Luther facing me, and uh, some of the historic doctors of the church, teachers of the church facing me, and I'm just reminded of the fact that I want to be found faithful. Yeah. And uh, I, I hope, first of all, by the, the, the one who will judge the living and the dead by Jesus Christ. But if, if the Lord tarries, I want to be found faithful by the church, and I want to turn out men who are faithful mm-hmm. in the pulpit, and students, both men and women, who are going to go out and, and do what God has, uh, has appointed them to do, missionaries, uh, workers all over the place. I, I want them to be faithful. And it, it's worth giving my life to lead a faithful seminary that will turn out faithful men as preachers and faithful servants for the church. Um, I have to know what faithfulness is. That's one of the reasons why I wrote this book. I, I, I wrote an earlier work on this con, this own institution's confession of faith called the Abstract of Principles because it, it's the same it's the same issue. Uh, we have to know what the true faith is if we're going to teach it and defend it. Even if as parents we're going to pass it down to our children, and you know we're, we're in an age in which no one else is going to help us in this, and so it's entirely up to the church to define and defend mm-hmm. Christianity. It's entirely up to Christian parents uh, to raise up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In this, in this regard, in a secular culture, we're all alone now, and it's up to us. Well, Dr. Muller, you've been uh, you've been consistent over many years, and you know you're not perfect, and I don't expect you to be. But you have been, from what I have seen, faithful to the call that you've been given, and I'm grateful for it. I feel like you've enriched my life and my understanding, and I appreciate this latest work as well. Well, you are so very kind, Kathy. I appreciate your work, and I appreciate your interest in this book. And and what's really clear, your uh, your deep commitment to the historic and living Christian faith. So. I'm proud to confess the faith together. Mm -hmm, Yeah. Well, the new book, The Apostles' Creed, Discovering Authentic Christianity in an Age of Counterfeits, is one that you're going to want to look up. The author, R. Albert Muller, Jr. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.